Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode of 24, the TV show. We don't just really like the number and thought that, hey, let's do a whole episode of the number 24. What are your favourite things related to the number 24, episode 23 of our number recap coming soon to the Oz Network? That's on our Patreon. (laughs) Sign up and we will recap every number. All the way up to 10 billion. <laughs> Wait till you get to 997,312. It's a doozy. Uh, this episode first aired on the 13th of May, 2003. It was written by Gil Grant and Evan Katz, directed by John Kazar, our bestie on this show. And this is an episode of 24 Season 2. <laughs> it's an interesting one. My name is Ben. And why did you leave me here like this? I've been stabbed. <laughs> And my name is Colin, and I'm not going to let some pimply-faced techie ruin everything. I, I had to really say it like a Penny Johnson Gerald line there because she <laughs> there's some lines in this episode that she delivers, and I'm just like, that's not how you usually speak. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, I don't want to sound racist, but I'm just going to say it. You sound extra black this episode, Penny Johnson Gerald. <laughs> but, um, it works. Like, it really does work. I mean, There's stand. nothing that doesn't work for her. <laughs> I know. Um, but th- this is like the penultimate episode often of a f- TV. We've said this plenty of times in all our recaps is almost bigger than the finale because you've got to set everything up. You know, this is what I think Game of Thrones is known for, right? It was always the penultimate episode was kind of the big mm. one, not the finale. And... I'm not saying this is a bad episode. This is a, a tension-filled episode. There's some great action in here. Keeper's on fire. He's yelling at a helicopter. I mean, what's up to love? A Keeper Sutherland yelling at a helicopter. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what I watched 24 for. What do you watch 24 for? Keeper Sutherland yelling at a helicopter. It's very Emilio Estevez this episode. Um, you know, you've got Limited Kim, uh, the new podcast series coming soon from Fox. Um, <laughs> You got Michelle in a van. Um, <laughs> it's like all the things that you want from an episode of 24. But I just think that this episode, and I've, I've watched ahead for the finale as well. I just think the last few episodes of season two sum up season two. There's actually some yeah. really good stuff, which you're like, yeah, okay. The rest is kind of very cheesy and over the top and it can work and it can't. And there's just some stuff you're like, oh, okay. And then it just also feels very rushed. Um, Mm -hmm. so look again, not a bad episode. They're doing what they can. You can sort of tell that, at least I think you would assume in the final two episodes, they know where they're going with it. Um, but again, it just, a lot of plot points kind of just get very rushed and it's like, yeah, okay, here we go. But, um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's, it's not episode 23 and 24 of season (laughs) one. 
I, I was almost convinced that we were going to come into this and you would be loving because this is what 20 known is 20, 20 known is for known Ooh. for, for, for Absolutely. <laughs> no, that too. Uh, you can tell we're going to do really well on our numbers episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 24 is known for you know basically having a two part finale. In fact, in future years, they would air this as one episode, two yeah. hours as a finale. So you expect more, I think. It, you probably didn't expect more in 2003, but you expect more after nine, ten seasons, whatever, if you include uh, the the redemption or whatever. Uh, and it's it's disappointing only because it is the penultimate episode. Because really, it's a, it's a decent episode. It's 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 quite good, but it's not what you expect at this point in the season. And there, there is. You talk about being rushed. There's one thing which I'm going to point out, which which pretty much kills all the tension in this episode and almost in a, a small way sabotages the next week's episode a little bit, too. Uh, it's, it, it is perfect for season two. That is the best way to describe it. This is season two, 24 at its best and worst. And there's also I might have uncovered the biggest plot hole of the second half of this season in this episode, which makes absolutely no sense. And that next week should not happen at all. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, but like, you know, let's look back to last season. You know, what did we have in the penultimate episode? I mean, just everything in the lead up and the plot twist, Nina is evil. Like spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen season one of 24, like, holy fuck, that was what our number two moment of all of last season. And that probably will make the top five, top 10 overall at the end of the entire series run. This episode, Jack Bauer has a heart attack and they crash into a ditch. Um, (laughs) great. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad the writers finally realised that Jack nearly died like four hours ago. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you had that on your wall of storylines from season two. But um, again, it's it's a very season two episode. And being season two, let's get Kim over and done with because this barely lasts two seconds. Um, we mentioned last week that I think Kim doesn't really have anything to do for the rest of the season. She, Yeah, pretty much everything we summarised last week. She goes back to CTU, but then she eventually actually does go out in the field. For whatever reason, we'll get to that next week. Um, so, thirty minutes into the episode, forty-three minutes in twenty-four time. Um, remember when Jack rang Kate last week and was like, "You're nearby there, aren't you?" Yeah, forty-three minutes it takes Kate to get there. Um, I mean, I guess she was in the bath. She's got to do herself up a little bit, look pretty. Um, so she just walks into Gary's house and just comes in, finds Kim. Hi, Kim. I'm Kate. Kim points a gun at her. Who are you? I'm a friend of your dad. Okay. And then they leave together. Now, I'm sorry, Kim. You spent, you had the worst day of your life. You, your friend who went to school and went to social work and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, he's had a hard life and you were telling Melanie to bring it on, all that sort of stuff. You trusted people. Like, you literally trusted two guys who took you to a furniture store and looked at that and, and they were hot. And we know how good they were in bed. But, like, you know, you fell for that crap. In comes, you know, blonde Australian woman, and you're just like, who are you? I don't trust you. Okay. And then get in the car. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. You deserve to get into the trouble half the time if you just trust people like this straight away. And also, note to terrorists moving forward in 24 World, send a pretty blonde woman to get Kim. She'll believe her. <laughs> I know your dad. How it's do you one know of her kind. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I met him today. Okay, I trust you. Um... <laughs> And then we get this awkward car ride of, so, how do you know my dad? Oh, we met today, but what's really going on between you? Nothing. Oh, <laughs> he, I don't think your dad trusts anyone, but he trusts you. And like, okay, Ugh. cool. 
Um, you really know they know nothing to do with these two at this point. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> shit, we're going to get their SAG acting guild credits this week, so um, put them on screen. I mean, the thing is, right, Jack says to Kate, like, get a cop over and say that she's been involved in a self-defense shooting. Kate shows up by herself. Okay, mm-hmm. and we're going to see next episode, Kim just shot to see to you. Hi, everyone, I'm here. Okay, go see your dad in the field. Okay, Again, just murdered someone. That's fine. The Gary's dead body's just sitting there on the ground. It's fine. No, no, not you know, even report it. Kim literally got arrested earlier in the day for potentially murdering someone because they found a body in the car and they wouldn't let her make a phone call because you are a murderer. Now it's like, ah, it's just Gary. We all know he's an evil prick. Let's, let's let his body rot. He's a serial killer. Um, and also one thing that really, like, I don't think I've really paid much attention to until this episode you talk about having a traumatic day. 24 hours ago, Kate woke up. She was organising a wedding. She slightly assumed that her sister's husband-to-be could be a terrorist. That set off a chain of events which led to what happened. But she has literally had her entire life destroyed in 24 hours, Kate. She has basically been tortured. She's had an ear cut. She's watched a guy in front of her get his dick chopped off by a grinder. Her <laughs> sister's a terrorist who next week apparently is worse than Hannibal Lecter. We'll get to that. Um, and then her dad is involved in the CIA. He's been tortured. Her brother-in-law's been murdered. Um, you know, she's like nearly been given up for human trafficking just so another guy can go to, like, Portugal or wherever the fuck he was going. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, like, this woman's been through it all, but she's just having a bath, drinking a glass of wine, picking up a guy who, oh, he's kind of hot, maybe I'll pick up his daughter because she swims and she's completely fine. So, um, look, this is the worst part of the episode and there's nothing to this. It's just there's nothing to... I feel like I'm complaining over nothing because it's literally blonde woman picks up blonde woman, they go for a drive, and Kate has a shit car. They're rich. Why is she driving like a Toyota Celica or whatever the fuck it is? Like, Jesus Christ. She should be driving a Lexus at least. Come on, Kate. Uh, this is one of the things that I thought that I would be overly critical on because I'm like, well, I, I'm making all these notes about everything that's wrong with Kim's storyline. Like, there, there's, this is nothing. This is the most nothing that's happened in 24 ever. How am I complaining this much? And I thought it was just me, but it's not just me. Uh, you pointed out 43-minute drive. I think Jack's exact words were, "You're in the neighborhood." <laughs> the neighborhood <laughs> to me, you. yeah, the neighborhood to me is like you know maybe it's not walking distance, but it's at least power walking distance. But, you know, <laughs> you don't need to drink forty minutes. Just to jump in quickly, in all seriousness, if you are in LA, that is probably within the neighborhood because LA is a pretty spread out city. But the difference is twenty four. You can't make it that it's a standard LA thing to say you're nearby there and then next week go, oh, it takes 10 minutes to drive from downtown to the Hollywood Hills. Like, I mean, make your mind up the size of your city, 24 writers. There is no other drive in the history of 24 up until now and going forward that took 43 minutes. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> early, in this, the early in the season. Well, remember early in the season when they were driving Kim out and the, to, you know, wasn't there like 52 minutes when the cops were driving her out of town before they discovered the body in the backseat yeah. or whatever it was? That was the longest we'd had until now. And they were out on the outskirts of the city. They, this is in the suburbs. <laughs> they made it halfway to Utah in the amount of time it took <laughs> just to get three doors down. They drove to Winnipeg. <laughs> in a Toyota Corolla or whatever. But, uh, you really understand why when Kate shows up, is it just me or is this the most glamorous that Sarah Winter has looked the entire season? She's got her hair done. She's dressed. She's like got like six layers on. She's done her makeup. Like, I don't think that Kate has had makeup on since episode one. I don't even think she had makeup on in episode one. 
Why is she making herself up to go pick up a girl who just had a traumatic? Jack told her well, she what swims. happened. Well, she does swim, yeah. And I, I we didn't really uh, mention, but or did we mention last week the fact that uh, after everything Kate has been through, she had a cop at her house. Where's the cop? Oh, I sent him home. Like, yeah. <laughs> like she is just so casual about this, and I think that's inconsistent too. Because if we really look at Kim season one day versus Kate season two day. I think I might take Kate, uh, Kim season one day over Kate season two. Yeah. I think what makes Kim's more dramatic is the fact that she was, what, 16, 17 years old. But everything that happened to Kate, I think is a little worse. And yet she's just like taking a bath and sending the cop home and doing her makeup. And she's okay just going to pick up this girl. She doesn't even flinch at the fact there's a dead body there. <laughs> like I've seen plenty and, of those. And she's a wealthy white woman from Pasadena. Like, I mean, you know, it's not like yeah. she's from, you know, like downtown LA or something like that, or like Compton where she's just used to shit happening to her. Like <laughs> this is traumatic for her. Like I was going to say Kim's going to be dramatic because she's like a 17 year old teenager, but I'm sorry, you know, rich white women from Pasadena are going to be like, Oh my God. Ah! Like, you know, she's, oh, she's on TikTok blogging about this, about how terrible her day is. <laughs> Let's add it to our long list of t-shirts we'll eventually make for TV uh, for 24, but let's get a Kate t-shirt made that just says straight out of Pasadena. (laughs) Done up, makeup, half an ear missing, (laughs) slightly racist. Um, Uh. (laughs) But yeah, then the conversation is an even bigger problem because Kim is, I mean, we're underselling a little bit. Kim is a little bit hesitant when she shows yeah. up. She pulls a gun on her. I just wanted to yeah. shoot Kate. I've got a taste for it now, Ben. <laughs> exactly. I want more. <laughs> and I know I shouldn't. <laughs> and not just the men, but the women. Yeah. <laughs> the children. I hate them. I hate all of them. <laughs> but she asks her a couple questions and then she goes with her. And then all the questions that you should have asked when you still had the gun drawn is what you wait until you're in the car to ask. So how do you know my dad? <laughs> when did you yeah. meet him? <laughs> are you are you are you doing him? Anything anything going on? Is like, his dong as big as I think it is? <laughs> but like these are all the questions you should have asked before you got in the car with her. And this is this is just a a Los Angeles blonde woman thing because we talked <laughs> about how Jack got Kate out of CTU by saying, I can't explain now. I'll explain in the car. And then he explains in the car. So I'm gonna hand you over to a terrorist. <laughs> None of these blonde women have any brains. In the, I hate to play the blonde stereotype, but none of them have any brains in their head. They just jump at the first person that, that offers them a ride. It's just ridiculous. I've been racist. You've been sexist. It's fine. This episode's going well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but you're only racist against black people, and I'm only racist or sexist against blonde women. It's okay it then, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> How life was intended. Um, no, don't quote me on that. That's terrible. That's worse. There's our next T-shirt. Meanwhile, let me step out of the 1950s and into 2022. Um, the, the second, like, it's, it's not even, like, silly. It's just, like, it's cartoonish. It's the CTU storyline. So, oh, uh, a problem. T- Tony and Michelle just walking around like, going, oh, we've gotten away with it looking at our watch. Oh, we're going to get caught soon. Hurry up, hurry up. Like, And I love like Tony's basically just like, oh, they're going to catch me. See, so I'm going to put you in a van and you're going to, you know, do this. Lots of problems around this, um, as there is with lots of this. But I do love how they're just like sneakily walking around and then you've got like big, big boss from like Division. Where's Chappelle? It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he stepped out. The logs aren't showing he stepped out. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you, sir. This is not like Chappelle. I'm coming down there. It's like, he's been missing for what, 10 minutes? <laughs> like, I 
mean, what if he's had a pretty big breakfast burrito and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) Tony should have just said that. It's like, listen, he was having some trap gas and he went to the bathroom (laughs) to relieve himself. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, that's all all it takes. I mean, having said that, we did say last week that, you know, he's missing and no one's, you know, looking for him. Now they're like sending out a search party for him. The only people looking for him are the people who don't work in the building. (laughs) Yeah. And I do also like this other random guy there who's just kind of all like, um, yeah, like, where's where's Chappelle? And they're all like, ooh, I don't know. Um, I think Tony has like a phone call, doesn't he, with Jack at one point where it's just like, hey, Jack, like, I'm going to be out of play soon. They're coming for me. But, you know, just letting you know, Michelle's going to be on point. Like, very Tony. Because Tony's taking the fall for Michelle. Like, I mean, I don't know why Tony can't join Michelle in the little van, but yeah. Tony's got to, you know, Tony's got to be Tony, right? He's like the captain of the Titanic. He's got to go down with the ship. Um, so Michelle then like, she's sneaking out now we've got like tension with Carrie again this week on tension with Carrie. It's just, it's just so dumb now. This Carrie story, not that it ever wasn't dumb, but like you made some very solid points with Carrie where it's kind of like, yeah, you can kind of understand why she's been there. Now they just completely turned her into like cock blocking Carrie. And it's just like, where are you going, Michelle? I'm going to my car. Are you trying to leave? Well, I don't need to explain things to you. It's like, okay. Um, like it's just, it's just dumb. <laughs> dumb so michelle basically is all like yeah girl power i'm going to my car and you're gonna sit here and pine over whatever um big boss guy from division shows up with like all dramatic like they're all walking through the halls and find me find me Chappelle. why does he again need to show up to do this again like they're meant to be super fucking busy trying to, you know, nuclear bomb as Tony's saying like, oh, we've got lots of resources doing the domestic response, which really you haven't been doing much on Tony, but sure, use that as an excuse. And they're like, search the areas. Again, does the big boss from Division need to come down to find this? Like, wouldn't... uh, Maybe after an hour, if he's missing, you'd be like, okay, we haven't heard from him for an hour. Like, is this how Mm -hmm. it works in government agencies in LA in 2003? Like if somebody steps out to have a smoke and they get locked out and they've left their cell phone on their desk and they're trying (laughs) to get into the building and like, you know, we've all had those moments where something has happened where like, you know, we've been away from our phone or whatever for a while, but by no fault of our own. And everyone's like, where are you? Where are you? But no one sends a fucking search party to kick down doors. I mean, maybe if you're important in your job, I've never had that happen to me, but um, (laughs) anyway, they basically searching through all the rooms and I love Carrie here who's been working there for six hours and she knows the ins and outs of CTU like she's owned the place. <laughs> oh, this is, uh, this is you know, control room two. There shouldn't be anyone in here. Oh, this is this is control room one. That shouldn't be locked. Oh, it's locked. Somebody must have overridden it. You've just started working there, Carrie. How do you know this? <laughs> um, and I love this guy kicking the door in. Literally a glass panel. You could kick the glass I in know. quicker than... <laughs> Like, is this just a thing? Like, oh, I would kick the glass in, but this building's been half destroyed today. The budget's already through the roof, so we better not that, kick this door in. That's a load-bearing glass panel. I wouldn't yeah. touch that. <laughs> Another 32 people would die on the second floor if I kicked that in. But I love it when they walk in and Chappelle's just like, oh, my head. <laughs> oh, 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 hold, please. Um, oh, I shouldn't <laughs> have had that second burrito. <laughs> But I did love the next scene is Tony like sneaking out like dun 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 dun. <laughs> He's like can't go that way, can't go that way. And you got everybody going like Potty, get him, get in there, get in there. Tony just gets arrested. Um, I love Chappelle. You don't need me to tell you that you're under arrest. And it's kind of like where's Michelle? And he just I'm not to find Michelle. We'll find her. Um, 
And uh, what does Carrie say? I think I know where Michelle is. She's probably working somewhere offside. Like, shut up, Carrie. Like, like she's just, how has she become the most annoying? Like, she already was annoying, but she's just, oh, she's the worst. Um, but then I just love Michelle. You know, here she is in a little van being, you know, the, the woman behind the screen or whatever they call in Spider-Man, like what uh, Ned says. But, like, why doesn't she drive this van off-site? Why does she just sit yeah, in the car well- park? <laughs> They, they, I think they said in the previous episode, or, or maybe it was in this episode, like, what type of range do I have? And they said something like, I don't know, 500 feet. But yeah, unless they right. have a 500 foot parking lot, then maybe she has a chance she could drive down the block. It's, I swear it's just one of these things where the inconsistency of 24 technology never makes sense because you have it where it's like, <laughs> we can't track him because of the satellite. And then two episodes later, we're tracking him because of the satellite. Um, and... This is, um, I mean, this is kind of connected to what we'll get with Jack. So maybe I'll talk about that with, actually, no, I'm going to talk about it now. Like Michelle gets caught eventually. It's like, Jack, you got to go. And she's going through, she hacks into Hewitt's computer and basically finds all these, you know, information so she can make a fake voice print of Alex Hewitt because spoiler alert, he's dead. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, And then Michelle gets caught. But this is where there is a massive plot hole. She's literally hacked into his computer. She can see all these files and she has got a program proving that you can manipulate audio to saying whatever Mm -hmm. you want to say. They literally have the evidence that they are looking for. Why do they need to arrange this meeting? Michelle should be literally going like, well, this proves everything. Like, this is a program. I can easily manipulate Alex Hewitt's voice to make it seem say anything. Here are all the source files of all the things that he's created. Literally, they're going through all these files of everything on his computer. They mm-hmm. have the evidence right now. They literally have it. Day done. Stop the war. And yet they're still right now going to be like, we're going to arrange this meeting and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I'm going, no, you don't. You've got it. Day done. Episode 23 is the finale. Jack Bauer will return in season three. Like, next week does not have to happen. Sherry, poor Sherry, nearly dies next week because of this. Um, So I'm screaming at my screen going, you've got it. You've got the evidence. This is it. Um, But, uh, yeah, anyway, CTU stuff. It's uh, it's just, it's so like, like, Scooby-Doo, Tony, I would have gotten away with it. So, like, I mean, it just... (laughs) May as well be that, but um, it just makes me mad. You're like, plot hole, come on, right there. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I mean, even if there is some line somewhere that, that excuses why they won't accept this as evidence, the fact is you didn't have to go this far. You you, you never go full Hewitt's computer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> never go full Hewitt. Uh, but that's the big issue with this episode. And, and this show, even at its worst in season two, they are experts at we're going to get you this close to resolving it. And then we're going to cut the legs out from underneath, you know? And I don't know why they didn't cut the legs out here. Like have something happen, have it where, yeah. Oh, Michelle, I've almost got it. And then all of a sudden the connection severed by Carrie, you know, or uh, Hewitt's computer has some type of, this will self-destruct in five seconds and it blows up. And like, there are so many options of how you could have made this so that, how did you get in here? <laughs> Wow, Colin I, reveals that he locks his wife out of recording. How did you get in here? Get back to your dungeon. Well, we we we've 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 done so many of these where Casper has stormed down here that that I had my brother install a lock on my basement <laughs> door yesterday, 
And and I even said to him, it's like, yeah, I'm installing this lock because I mean, every time we record, it's probably cut out of the episodes. But Casper comes in and and he's like, no, 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 I listen. It's not cut out of the episodes. There's plenty of times where I'm here, like, hi, Casper, and it's still in. Like, okay. I just I just appreciate like, you're like the one time I can get away with my family is I can lock the door and never have to talk to them. How did you get in here? <laughs> I'm like, why did we install this lock for? Wow. <laughs> it's been 24 hours. Jamie, geez. Yes, hi, no, Casper. No, no wonder no wonder Jamie doesn't know where Colin's I, place is on his back to scratch. How did you get in here? <laughs> I do I do love it if you could hear in the background, Casper saying, Daddy, I can't open it. That's the point, Casper. <laughs> Just stay up there. <laughs> Colin Hilding family man, everyone. Just... Uh, <laughs> Literally records, locks himself into his own little room. I've noticed there's like a pina colada sitting next to your desk. You're in a Hawaiian shirt. You're like, ah. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) It's not that far off. (laughs) Wow. Jeez. Why are there uh, so many packets of chips behind you and (laughs) cans of beer? Is that a a suitcase packed? Where are you going? (laughs) How did you get in here? change back on jamie make me my breakfast are you you doing something particularly interesting in the laundry room jamie he's washing your clothes colin otherwise you'd smell let her wash your clothes and wash your own clothes it's 2022 you talk about me being in the 50s you can help out around the house too you sexist pig i do ask jamie's right here jamie who's the one who always insists on doing the laundry because he's always down here anyways he, she pointed no, at me. He I just see him pointing. Hi, Jamie. Go lock yourself back up again. <laughs> Let's hope this is the last time that someone breaks down here during Oh, he's rolling up his sleeves. He's got some patience going on for her later on. All Write right. That down. <laughs> right. Uh. What did I tell you about coming down here? Um, I was going somewhere about the C2 storyline. I don't remember. Um, yes. Hi, Casper. <laughs> Do you need to go lock the door, uh, Colin? Uh. Hey, you know what the, the best thing is? Is the person who installed that door lock is probably listening to this episode right now. Hey, <laughs> like, what did I tell you? So there's a note to don't people listening in Winnipeg. Up. If you want your locks installed, don't call Ian Hilding. He's shit at it. <laughs> Hope he doesn't work for a locksmith. <laughs> Not good for his business model right there. Hi, I'm I, Ian I, Hilding. I, Do you want your <laughs> wife kept out of rooms? And don't hire me. <laughs> You know, I, it just occurred to me. I'm like, I probably shouldn't have attached the key to Jamie's key ring. I don't know why. <laughs> I shouldn't have given her the code to the safe room. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, there was an easier way in because it is a glass panel door that she could have just kicked right in. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to be recording. You see this smashing and you're like, what the fuck's that? She's like, oh, just Jamie. Cash I needed to get the laundry. <laughs> I needed to run on the treadmill. One of these days, Jamie's just going to go on that treadmill behind you. Like, shut up, I'm running. <laughs> Trying out for the Olympics. Next opening ceremony. Um, all right. Uh, what else was I going to talk about? Oh, okay. Let, let's not uh, gloss over the the scene that I actually think, this is going to be another one of our debates of which scene did, did it better. Because when we, I think earlier in the season, we're talking about a big Tony and Michelle moment. I mean, you were definitely a bigger fan of them half having sex in the hallway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I always remembered this very subtle scene when they're locked up together, 
where he just sort of takes her hand. I remember that as being the more effective scene between just the two. Because you like you just like locking women up, so that's just your thing. So, <laughs> oh, I love this scene. They're locked up. Wow, inspirational. But but like you got to at least even if you're a bigger fan of the other scene, you got to at least be with me that. It's probably the moment, like, sure, yeah, they're getting it on earlier on, but, like, this is the moment where they're solidified, okay, we're going forward with these two as a couple. And eh. there's something about the fact that it's so subtle, and it's just, it's the one quiet moment in, in this entire season, really, where they actually slow down, and, and it's it's not too over the top. Like, I love that moment between them. Eh, I mean, it's, it's nice, but, eh. like, I think... To me, all the Tony Michelle stuff from the point after they kiss is kind of lost because it's just you've had that moment now. Like if that kiss is in the last episode, it's different, so you're still building it up to it. Um, but I also just think you've lost the Tony Michelle flirting just because of this carry bullshit, and then kind of the rest of it has really just been about them trying to help Jack, and it's just the silliness of them, you know, drugging their boss um, yeah. to do all this. So like I just think I'm just I've I've lost that and I think the only scene that I really will get from them is in the finale, the whole like see you tomorrow scene. Like that to me is that mm. okay, they're still, you know, they're gonna hook up. So I see but, what you're saying, but hell no. The the kiss is a thousand times better than this scene. Like we have four scenes though where I feel like I'm talking down that kissing scene. I mean you were definitely a bigger fan than I was. I'm not talking that down, but we have four scenes where they make it clear these two are going to be a couple uh aside from just the the regular chemistry that they have or the looks they give each other here and there we have the you know maybe we should go to a movie sometime scene right we have the kissing scene we have this hand holding scene and then we have the see you tomorrow scene and i think the one that stands out in those is the one you're a bigger fan of but to me that's also not as consistent as the way that their story has been told throughout the season which is it is subtle it is like blink and you miss it moments of flirtation that's why i like this scene better because i think that this is it's more effective with the tony and michelle relationship that we're going to know and you're 100 percent right i completely agree with that but i think just to my point before the issue i have is we've had them kiss so like th- this isn't what it would be if this happened in an earlier episode or the kiss wasn't until next week. Like, it's kind of like mm-hmm. you've had that payoff to this already. So it's kind of like, well, do we need this? We know they're into each other. They basically fucked in the hallway a couple of hours ago. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it's like the Ross and Rachel, the the Mulder and Scully, like the moonlighting, the, the, the nanny and Mr. Sheffield. Like, once they finally... <laughs> Famous love stories, the nanny and Mr. Well, that was famous. Did you not watch how the nanny ended? They finally hook up and, like, the last season was just them getting married. So, like, it's kind of like, okay, well, but, like, but that, my point is, it's like with any sexual tension in movies or TV shows, it doesn't have the same effect once they either yeah. make out, they fuck, or, like, they finally that payoff. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's effective, but it's not as effective as if they hadn't already hooked up. Yeah, no, no, and I get that. I think that it dilutes it a little bit, but I just love the way the scenes play out better this way. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we have to talk about, again, I, I I mentioned it last week, they are very consistent with Michelle being a bad liar. When when Carrie's like, where are you going, Michelle? And I love that she's questioning about, oh, but but you know that, that guy from Division, you said that he called Chappelle, and I haven't seen Chappelle since. Like, well, if you must know, Carrie, he was calling to complain about you. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> like you. Like, it is the worst lie ever. It, it is so petty, but like that is Michelle. Like she's not the character yet. We will get 
you know, in future seasons, Michelle be a little bit more confident, but this is not her forte and just how bad of a lie that is and how petty and how immature I'm like, I love this. I, I, I never quite noticed before how well written the Michelle character is just at having a lack of confidence. And I think you need that in shows like this. Uh, you can't just have Kim screaming all the time. <laughs> you sometimes have to have characters who have a weakness. And when you got a character like Jack Bauer, who really doesn't have a weakness, he's he's all powerful. You need to have some of these characters that, that do get frazzled. And a little thing like that, it goes a long way. And, and it's also just great, like, because this point, the audience, Carrie is in the right. You know, she has a right to question, hey, what happened to our boss? Something suspicious is going on here. Are you guys operating off the books? Are you getting this promotion because you're sleeping with the boss? And then for her to just be like, well, people don't like you, Carrie. Get out of my way. <laughs> it's a dumb excuse, but I love it because it's directed at Carrie. Which at the end of the day, if this is 2022, you know, Carrie's winning a lawsuit and everything because it doesn't, you don't get away with the, <laughs> yeah. they don't like you shut up model. Uh, it's more of a case of, well, I'm reporting workplace harassment. Uh, let's go straight to HR. Uh, mm-hmm. So 2003 when office politics was, ah, shut up. What? Someone's been <laughs> racist. I'll go back to your desk. Uh, <laughs> that's just how we are here at CTU. <laughs> Culture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's, when there's kind of, there is sort of like a fifth storyline this week with the Kingsley story. I mean, I don't know if we just, it kind of is inter- intersected with the, the Jacks up, but in a way it's kind of separate. I, I literally Kingsley's getting acupuncture. We meet some woman, uh, a woman, um, and he's all basically talking about how that they're, they're trying to get out of there. Uh, and Hewitt's the only loose end that they need to tie up. Cause you know, we thought they were all going to be dead in the explosion. We meet Max for the first time this episode. So I guess technically Max is the big, big bad. Um, the, the 20 season two is just an odd one where there's not a definitive big bad. Cause like, you know, 24 style, you have your three parts and you kind of have big, bad one, big, bad two. And then by act three, the big, bad is the big, big, bad of that season. But like, I guess, you know, there wasn't anybody above the Drazens. You kind of got that line from Nina last season. You think I work for the Drazens, you know, you're wrong. So there's letting things open up a little bit, but with Nina, you can get away with this. This, it's kind of like, okay, so Kingsley's the man behind this, but then we've seen Kingsley talk to other people. And now we're seeing Kingsley talk to this Max guy who's going to become very important next episode and then a very key part of the game. So it's like, I weirdly like it because in a way it just shows that there's a bigger world than it's just so black and white that it's just yeah. one person controlling this and they leave themselves open for like other angles they can do with this. But the thing I don't like about it is knowing that they don't really do anything with this except for the game. Um, mm-hmm. So, and like, again, we will do an episode of the game. We've decided we will, but it's, people who don't play video games and don't give a shit about a PlayStation 2 Xbox game from 2006 are never going to know sort of, you know, or read the books or things like that. So it's very Disney Star Wars circa 2022. Like you've got to read every other piece of like canon to understand, you know, what happened to uh, Luke, uh, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber and how Moz got it, you know, shit like that. Anyway, so... Kingsley talks to Max and is all like, don't worry, we're going to get rid of Hewitt. It's sorted. Um, and then through what we're going to get through the Jack storyline with meeting Sherry, he hugs this random woman and is all like, oh, yeah, well, I'll meet you in Portugal. And then it's really weirdly, I don't understand the point of this. We see them hug. 
we see somebody pick up a knife, which I think you like. You meant to know that that is Kingsley picking it up, because then it's also a very blink and you miss moment at the end when you've got the boxes closing out the episode. You see the woman dead on the floor and him with a knife in his hand. So I'm guessing there must have been a deleted scene here that you see him stab her for whatever. It's just it's kind of pointless because who is this woman? Why yeah. do we need to know that Kingsley? We know Kingsley's evil. He's trying to. <laughs> extort a war to raise his profits but if he's not evil unless he stabs random woman um i know it's, it's odd and i just kind of feel that was just tobin bell just i don't like this scene and that woman actually died <laughs> rest in peace random you, woman <laughs> we're agreeing so much in this episode because i'm gonna read what my note says on this killing random girl does nothing but show how dangerous he is that's the only reason for it she is random. I literally wrote her in my notes as random girl. Her they name's give her Eve, an introduction. Apparently. Eve. 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 Sure. Uh, Eve Money Penny. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not, she'll, wash up, she'll wash up on a beach somewhere. <laughs> it's Eve. Eve Money Penny. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's that's the only purpose it serves, is they're trying to give you one extra thing to know that he's dangerous and that he's a bad guy. But you don't need that. You're open this. <laughs> <laughs> and it, this is pre-Tobin Bell being a thing, but still you yeah. look at the guy and you know he's evil. Yeah. And you don't need to have, this isn't like we're, we're saying season two, the penultimate episode. Once you get so many more seasons in, you realize what a big deal this is. This is something that even in season two, you know. If he's the guy, if, the, if you're following the rich white man, at this point in the season, you don't even have to know 24 to know he's the evil guy. Yeah. Everybody has told you he's the evil guy. And even if you have Max in there and you're like, oh, there might be somebody else behind it. You still know he's bad. This this is so ridiculous that they feel the need to have him kill somebody that is meaningless to the audience just to prove how bad he is. And it's also, I think, as much as I kind of going to contradict myself by saying I like the fact that you've got this world where there's multiple players and everything, I think the issue with season two as well is there are too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to the villains because, you know, we had mm-hmm. Saeed Ali and then we had Coral Snake and now we've got um, Kingsley, and, but then you've got Max showing up and then he's Sherry part of this and Alex Hewitt and it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. like literally quiz any 24 fan, like give me the big bad in every single season and I swear people will struggle to name season two. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you, you can literally name it for every single season, even seven and eight, which I, you know, like I couldn't tell you their names, but I can picture the faces of those evil people. Season eight's a bit convoluted as well, because technically Jack almost is the big bad at one point there, which is great. Um, but like, it's just season two is just so convoluted that there's not really a clear like, OK, this is who it is. And then next season, we're going to get my favorite villain of all of it. And I can't wait for that. But um, and mine, yeah. but different villains, <laughs> different villains, different part of the season. But um. Yeah, anyway, but, like, and again, like, Max, like, this is the problem with Eve. Like, who is she? Why is she then dead? And then it's like, cool, Max guy on the phone, and then next week he's going to be very important. And, like, I like the idea of this Max guy. He's, like, he's on a boat. Like, he's sinister. He's, like, sort of, you know, like, who is he? Like, it's kind of cool. And I kind of wish they had explored Max more in, in the TV show rather than the video game. But, um, yeah, and I also kind of say... Uh, you go, and I'll... Different point. Yep, well, I was it. just going to say, I, I don't know if you're very familiar with the actor Thomas Kretschmann. He's, uh, but like, he looks familiar, and I think I've seen him in other things, yeah. Before 24, he had just sort of started to break into American movies. He had a small role in Blade Two, like, I think the year this came out. And also, he had just come off of the movie The Pianist with um, uh, Adrian Brody, the one the Oscar... One, like, you know, almost every Oscar was nominated for. I've seen that. And yeah. he... 
he he was like one of the main stars of that. And as a German actor that was breaking into American movies, I mean, there was a lot of buzz about him. Not even 24. I didn't even think I realized he was in 24. But even at that time, a lot of people were like, hey, this guy could be the next big you know, crossover uh, from a foreign country to become a movie star here. You know, he's done a lot of stuff. He he had a big role in one of the King Kong movies. He's in the Marvel movies now. But uh, it was a semi-big deal to get him if you knew, uh, you know, if you were a movie buff. This wasn't just we're hiring random actor. They have somebody and they're obviously going to do something with them because he, he was on the rise. And I have to imagine that he was supposed to play. We're going to get into, especially when we do the game episode, a lot of debate on how much of the game was supposed to be in season three and how much of season three was planned from the beginning. I have to imagine that the the plans were to use him as an actor going forward because you don't bring in, it's not Dennis Hopper, I know, but you don't bring in Thomas Kretschmann in 2003 and not have plans to do anything more than a couple of random scenes with him. I think the thing we'll obviously probably talk more about in the game episode is that the game came out um, like 2006, 2006. So this was this wasn't like they did did this in between season two and season three. So yeah. the thing that I give the game credit for is that they obviously went back and tied up some loose ends and kind of you know used some plot lines that they could have used to season three and tied it together very well because you and I were talking mm-hmm. about off air that literally you get season two characters blending in with season three characters. So we meet Chloe and Chase. In, season, in the game, like mm-hmm. pre-season three to kind of get a bit more of their background. We get Kim's first day at CTU basically in the game and things like that. So it's kind of cool. We get Adam, uh, you know, who kind of uh, we talk about Zachary oh, Quinto going on to I'm so excited for Adam next season. <laughs> Adam. Uh, sounds like Alan. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually... The game, I'm glad we're going to do an episode on it because I think the game deserves a lot more praise than, uh, not that it ever got not praise. Yeah. It was fairly well received, but I think it's, well, we it's were, aged we were very talking, well. And we were talking about it. It's like you have things that are canon, but not essential viewing. And mm. I feel like this is one of the rare instances where it is an expanded story outside of the regular universe. It is canon, but it is also kind of essential viewing. Essential mm. viewing, if you want to, not hate season two as much, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, and that, that's a very good point for that one. Um, the one thing that I would just kind of, this ties it into the Jack storyline, but like this whole phone call with um, Kingsley and Sherry. So basically I'll, I'll, I'll go over this now because I think all the other Jack stuff will kind of go over pretty quickly. But basically the whole point of this, so Michelle's gotten this program up so you can, you know, fixate on a voice. Hewitt's dead. So Sherry calls um, Kingsley and is all like, hey, like, I've got Hewitt, I'll meet you, you know, you need to meet me. And um, Kingsley's all like, put Hewitt on the phone. I'm sorry, like, Kingsley is so dumb because, like, the, like mm. manipulating audio, this literally sounds like a recording. <laughs> like, it literally sounds like, please help me, they're holding in a gun, blah, blah, blah. So, like, Kingsley's right to be like, no, I don't believe that's Hewitt, yeah. put him on the phone. Why does Kingsley cave into the demand? Like, I'm sorry, Kingsley is so dumb. Like, when Sherry's mm. all like, well, no, I'm not going to meet you. If I'm Kingsley, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like... Because at, at the end of the day, I think the clever thing that they write here is, like, they never imply that Hewitt is dead. Because if Kingsley finds out Hewitt's dead, then he's he's fine. Like, okay, well, that's it. I don't need to do anything. That's You've done what I need to do anyway. Technically, Sherry's still alive. But, I mean, you know, they're smart enough. I'm sure they can kill Sherry Palmer. But, um... Anyway, so like I just think that they just end up making Kingsley so fucking dumb that he's going to agree to this meeting because there's no reason that he needs to go there personally. Send your goons there, mate. Like, we'll talk about that next week. But anyway, 
Um, well, they they just waste. I feel they just end up wasting this Kingsley arc because it's like, well, they just make him end up being so dumb when this whole plotline of this bomb sounds kind of smart, but then it's like, okay, now it's dumb. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm definitely more uh, appreciating how intricate they're telling this story and making sure that there's no loose ends that that you would question. Uh, I, I mentioned that in the last couple of weeks that that the way that this this whole zero margin for error thing has played out, there really is zero margin for error. Uh, I think there is a defense of Kingsley, but it's a stretch because they never quite made it part of the show. The thing is, is that he needs to make sure Hewitt's not going to spill the beans. Um, but the second that those bombs, those planes drop the bombs, it's irrelevant because you've started a war. And even if the government has evidence, oh, this guy manipulating it. They've now started a war and there's no turning back. That is what this should be based on. And Kingsley doesn't know all the inner workings of the government. I mean, Sherry was his in. That was the whole point of Sherry and what's his name? The uh, the NSA guy. Mm. They were his ins in the government. So he knew what was going on. Make that part of this episode. Make it that we don't have anybody on the inside anymore. So we don't know if they're going ahead with this attack because nobody would know at this point, if that is the reason Kingsley would panic, I buy it more, but they don't make that part of the show. Now I'm thinking that in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, well, the reason he needs Hewitt is because he doesn't know that the, the bombs are going to be, or, or that even that they're investigating this, that they could possibly call off the attack. If he just said the last report was that they called off the attack. We don't know if they're going to reinstate it or not. Have somebody else inside the government still. If yeah. you have one person in the government, if you have random girl, if random girl was secretary to Lynn or something like that, and she's just giving reports saying they called off the attack, now he has a reason to worry and need to get Hewitt. But from what we're led to believe from, from the, the story and the writers, he has no reason to panic at this point. It, but you have to you have to put those pieces together in your head to believe that he would need Hewitt that bad. I feel like we just need a song like Kingsley doesn't know that the bomb's going off in about 20 minutes. <laughs> just like go, go, going from that. But it's you're right. Like, and that's kind of, because if anything, but I mean, does he know? Because like he would have known a few hours ago that we're going to war in six hours and planes will arrive in six hours. So if anything, Kingsley just needs to delay this for an hour. Like, well, no matter what yeah. I do in, in like an hour, the bombs are going to go off. So from that point on, who gives but a fuck? When everybody else is being told the attack was called off, you know, yeah. oh, why is the attack back on? Like, have Kingsley in the loop on that. Have it where he's like, they called it off, they're, it's back on, they call off the back on, I can't take any chances. But like you said, the last report he received was probably, yes, we're bombing these countries. He shouldn't be worried about this because it, it, it really, if you think about it, 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 the second those bombs are, and that could even be, you could make that part of Jack's storyline mm. where it's like, oh, well, you know what? We're going to eventually get this evidence. I'll go in and testify. And Jack could be like, listen, by the time I get you down and get you before, you know, anybody that matters, the white house or whatever to, to verify this exists, the bombs will have already dropped. And the second that happens, it doesn't matter what you say. They have started a war that they can't back out of now. That's yeah. not part of this. I think that's where I'm seeing more flaws in the storyline than I even saw last week is that they missed the boat on making this a thing of 
once we bomb these countries, there's no turning back because even if we decide to turn back, they're they're turning their guns on us now, and everybody else is gonna you're gonna you're gonna unite the world behind. We, we talk about uh, the the Ukraine movement right now. You're gonna by the time this episode comes out, Ukraine's probably the villains. Who knows? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying Ukraine are the villains, but uh, imagine if if you bombed a country and then oh sorry it was actually one of our own. Well now every country in the world is going to team up on America. And if you don't release that to the public, you're still obligated to go ahead with the war. That's a dilemma that would have really made the tension in this episode and the next one even, even higher. Speaking of tension, there's not much in the Palmer drama this week. Um, <laughs> is there any? <laughs> Palmer's in a room. He's sulking. Uh, we meet his lawyer. Um, as with anything, you can appeal this. Can I just point out, I love this whole like plot where like his lawyers are all like, yes, no, they've got legal precedence and Palmer's just like, Arr! and then all of a sudden he's like, but we can appeal. And I love this lawyer guy. Yes, but that's going to take some time. I'm sorry. It took less than an hour to invoke the 25th yeah. Amendment, yet the appeal is going to take some time. Like, mm-hmm. that's some bullshit right there, 24. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you can't get all realistic on the 25th Amendment. Oh, that's going to take weeks. We're going to have to go through the legal judicial system and we're going to have to get Mariska Hargitay involved, like uh, Judge Amy Brenneman. Like, I mean, like, all the important lawyers of 2003 need to get involved. Um, But, like, the important lawyers of 2003. Mariska Hargitay and Amy Brenneman. Oh, they changed the world. Um, but, but, like, no, don't decide that you're going to get all realistic on shit. Oh, that's going to take some time. It took less than an hour. This is 24 world. This would take 10 minutes to put in an appeal based on your logic. Um, and it took less than an hour when Palmer was allowed. They they granted him the opportunity to defend himself. Yes. It would have been over in five minutes if they didn't say, well, I want to hear the man speak. So, but basically, like, Palmer's all just like, girl, I'm angry. Like, get me a computer. And uh, the lawyer's like, I'll see what I can do. So this lawyer is basically like, I I don't get Mike in these last couple of episodes. Uh, But, you know, Drew Chicka 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 Cola does a good job. Um, But I just just love the fact that the lawyer's just like, well, he needs a computer. You owe him that. And Mike's like, no, I don't. I'm the secretary of nothing i'm the chief of staff that's what he is <laughs> the secretary of chief of staff um but then i love this lawyer who basically just plays the well with me card you've known david for 25 years since you first started when he was running for high school president uh you know <laughs> you owe him that and of course like a typical you know mike's just like you're right he can have a computer but he can't send outside messages okay um <laughs> like what else this- is he gonna do <laughs> Uh, I like, and this He's is looking at pornography. <laughs> my issue with like Mike is like again they go full like never go full evil with Mike, and then all of a sudden yeah. they make him a sympathetic character, and it's like you're just taking away what you've done with him, and then it's like there's a whole thing next week when all of a sudden Mike literally changes his mind in five minutes. It just, it's so rushed and out of the blue that it just kind of bothers me, but we'll get to that next week. But then what also bothers me is that they just throw in this whole storyline of Mike going like, Oh, like fuck Mr. Mr. X president. Um, so our bombers, yeah, they've got to fly over Turkey, but like Turkey aren't going to let us. So can you like just pretend to be the president and then like, maybe we can do this. Like, this is where Palmer's dumb. Why does Palmer say yes to this? Like, I get it. He's going to be like, well, I don't want the men in those planes to die. Like, literally, you are willing two or three hours ago to let 20,000 innocent Americans die if you get this wrong. Like, you're going to stand firm because this war is wrong, right? So what is the difference of, like, six pilots dying? Like, 
Like, yeah. again, you've got to show Palmer sympathetic. I understand it. It's not within Palmer's character to make him, like, seamlessly murder. Like, I get it. That's why you've got to do it. And, of course, Palmer's going to do it because Palmer's a nice guy. But, like, come on, Palmer. You should be like, fuck you. I am not doing this. I am sorry. I didn't want this war to begin with. Well, I did to begin with, but then my mind changed. So, like, going on your point, collateral damage. I'm sorry, but these guys are going to have to sacrifice. Like, you know, Jenny and Jim in the Mojave Desert are dead because of the nuclear bomb, but the six pilots, no, we can't have them die. And, And is it also inconsistent with Palmer's character that he's like, I'm doing, because he even says, I'm doing this for those pilots because I don't want them to die. The whole reason that you don't want to start this war is because you will be losing more than six soldiers, American soldiers, and you will be killing thousands of innocents in another country. Yeah. By doing this, he's actually undone his argument for the last exactly. six, seven episodes. Yep. He's, he's saying, you know what, I'll go along with this. I will allow you to start this war because I don't want six Americans to die because they're American boys. But how many more soldiers are going to die in this war? Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. This is obviously they have run out of things for him to do. And I actually really like the back and forth in him and Mike. And yeah, it is Mike's position. Mike's stand doesn't make sense because they never really you know, fully logically explain it. And I'm going to have even more complaints next week yeah. um, with how this wraps up. But you you don't have there's no need for this this we've run other things for palmer to do you've already got this this drama and we saw how effective the scene last week was with him just and pierce and we get a couple scenes here and there but why not make this a two or three episode thing of palmer and mike just in a room together basically no i my job right now is to just watch after you and make sure that you're not on your phone <laughs> bad palmer <laughs> get on your phone exactly uh but have this just be these two great actors having debates back and forth about yes but what about this then you have the characters explaining their motives so you don't have to have mike looking like a complete maniac at random and you don't have palmer going back on his own word and this entire moral dilemma that he's suffered from this entire last act of the season is just it doesn't make any sense at all yeah completely agree and it's just like the scene kind of when Palmer goes back into his room and like you got that little stare off standoff with him. I'm like, it's great. Like again, but you're right. Like have these guys have more together. Cause it's kind of working the, the great actors working off each other. It's just, yeah. Like it's kind of like they just went, Mike's evil. But then what do we want to do with the rest of him? I don't know. <laughs> and even like Alan Dale is in this for like two seconds. Um, so, you know, oh, Alan Dale wasted. But the, the one thing I'll just say quickly before we get onto the Jack stuff is that, I do like it in the the final sort of shots of the little boxes at the end, which again, like, you know, we talked about how, you know, Evie's murdered. But like, do you did you notice the sort of the subtle symbolism of Palmer as Abraham Lincoln in his chair? Like, did you notice how they do that? So no. the fa- the famous Lincoln statue in Washington, you know, of him sitting in his chair with his arms on either side. Yeah. Like, if you actually look at that final box of Palmer, he's literally sitting in his chair in that position with his arms on each side of the chair, like like Abraham Lincoln. So it's kind of it's it's cool how they've done that shot. Not subtle at all. I mean, if an Australian is noting an American <laughs> president's, you know, pose, um, but it's I think it's kind of cool uh, that they sort of. They, they might as well that. have just had him standing next to a coat rack in a crucifix position. Yeah. 
<laughs> like everyone bags out like the the Jesus symbolism in like the Zack Snyder Superman movies, you know. Like, but uh, uh, anything to add before we get to the Jack? Because I mean, I honestly, I think this Jack stuff. No. We, we kind of went over the key Jack scene anyway. So like, I mean, the rest is yeah, just Jack yelling not, and running. Jack doesn't have that much going on either, really. <laughs> I, but like, this is where it's brilliant. Like we talked last week about how the action isn't really, and the action in this season is, you know, if you're ranking the action so far, this is like low on action and good action. But the stuff that like this is not really great action, but it's just it's made by the music and just Kiefer Sutherland. So you've got Jack chasing Hewitt through a hall and he's smashing lights and he's all like, ah, don't come after me. Just like, damn it, Alex, I knew you. Um, so they smash him through like little spidey holes and then basically Hewitt bashes through a, a barricade. So this is when we find out that it's daylight, everyone. Guess what? It's sunrise. <laughs> I'm like, And again, I love the fact that when you go out in this roof, like it's, it's a really cool way. Like I will say, like I actually like how they reveal that it's daylight rather than just a two-second shot of sunrise or sunset. Yeah. Um, but like <laughs> it's kind of like the sun like blaring in Jack's face, which is like it's a beautiful sunny day in LA. But the next minute we see see the skyline, it's like fucking cloudy as fuck. So make up your mind, weather in LA. Um, but I I do love this like this tension on the roof when Jack's sort of like chasing after him. The music is like epic, and it's going to get even more epic with the helicopter. Jack's running up, Hewitt's pulling a ladder up. Jack becomes Spider Man climbing up a freaking pipe because you know Jack Bauer can. Uh, and then I love like pointing this gun on Alex and it's like, okay, he's standing near a ledge. What's going to happen here? Like, come on, TV show. TV show's got a TV show. Shoots Hewitt in the leg and, oh, no, he falls down. Um, Jack lands down and it's like, it's all right, Hewitt, I'm going to help you. It's fine. And why does my hair feel wet? And, oh, no, his brains are, like, all over the thing. So, uh-oh, Hewitt's going to die. Um, but then Jack's on the phone to Tony, like, damn it, where's the helicopter? Get medical assistance on the hell of Tony. Uh, there's like a first aid kit on the helicopter. Well, that'll do. All right, I'm going to land. Keith <laughs> just is brilliant. Um, but then, <laughs> the best part of this episode, Jack versus the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so good. <laughs> like the music is so epic. Like Sean Callery's written this theme and it's like dun, 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 Jack's like running and it's like he's landing there and he's all like, oh, it's helicopter, helicopter. And then they got the CTU guy, but my orders are to land. And like Carrie's like, no, no, fly away. And you've got the CTI going like, move along, move along. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. And then like, Jack, what are you doing? Land the helicopter! Land the... He's gonna die! <laughs> I just scream. I really want to yell so loudly, but I've got neighbours. Um, just like... And then just like the helicopter flies off and we get the best ever... Damn it! <laughs> I want Jack to literally drop to his knees and go, Why? Damn it! <laughs> but like, I would love to have been on set this day to watch fucking Kiefer Sutherland yell at a helicopter. It's like old man yells at um, television or whatever it is from The Simpsons. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. It's just like Jack just like yelling, damn it! I really hope this is a one-take wonder. This is so good. Like, you can't imagine Kiefer Sutherland's not, like, at like, can't, like, keeps going, fuck, this is why I signed up for this show. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, John would be like, that was good, Kiefer, but we need a little bit more raving lunatic out of you. <laughs> like, seriously, like, if I'm to sell this show to anybody, I'm like, I'm showing this scene. Like, do you ever want to yeah. see Kiefer Sutherland yell at a helicopter? <laughs> well, then I've got the scene for you. 
I'm surprised he hasn't written a song about it. Like, come on, it's so good. Um, but I, then I just love the fact that you get Kiva running back to Hewitt. Hewitt's dead, which I love next episode when Jack blames Chappelle. If you had to land that helicopter, yeah. it's all your fault. Like, he was dead anyway. <laughs> you wouldn't have got him in the helicopter. <laughs> A Band-Aid from the first aid kit. Oh, I'm fine now. I'll tell you all you need to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. You literally see chunks of his brain next to his head. He's like, he's gone. Um, but like, this is the thing, like with, with any season of 24 generally, and we've had it a lot this season. We had it last season. Like Jack always runs out of like, you think, oh fuck, what's Jack going to do now? He's lost his last play. But like, I think this one, like Jack's on the ball straight away. So it was like, oh, well, Hewitt's dead. Uh, <laughs> so he goes back to Sherry. My opening line. I just love Penny Johnson, Gerald. Like, why did you leave me like this? I've been stabbed. <laughs> way she says it is hilarious and i just love jack just basically like oh it's only a flesh wound shut the fuck up yeah uh, <laughs> it's barely a scratch sherry it's just a flesh wound it'll rub out with a bit of you know bleach it's all good um but i just love like jack's desperation here where he's just kind of like i'm gonna use you and you're gonna like call kingsley and you're gonna do this and then all of a sudden the writer's like hey Remember Jack's heart, like, stopped a few episodes ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Let's put that into play right now. It's like, I just, I get you've got to add a bit of drama to this episode and a bit next week because you don't want it to be Jack. But Jack ends up still being kind of like the killing monster next week. But it's like, I get oh, yeah. they've gone like, well, in season one he was this way, so let's give Jack a disability this week. Um, like, just don't bring it... <laughs> <laughs> the writers from conversation which disability would you like to give him jack has parkinson's the- disease deaf blind <laughs> yeah parkinson's i'm sure. going with crohn's disease <laughs> jack oh i'm not going there i've already been racist this episode let's not go that that route um but it's well, just like that be a different race is a disability <laughs> No, like I was racist. I don't want to be anti-disabled all of a sudden. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> I thought you were. I, mean. I thought no. you were. Oh, I was about to say something about racist. Racist about disability. Ooh, if you are racist, you are disabled. You're wrong. You should well, not. They're being disabled. He's wrong. But like, I'm just saying, like, if you are racist, you have a disability. That's what I'm trying We've to say. We've offended black people, blonde women, anybody who's disabled. <laughs> Why haven't we mentioned 9-11 this episode? Um, but, like, it's just, it just, it, it, this is a thing this season. And it's just, like, the writers all of a sudden go, yeah, his heart stopped right into the script. Like, seriously, you may as well just end this season without that knowledge. You know, it's just, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. But because so Jack's, like, yelling at Cherry, like, damn it, Cherry, oh, my heart, oh, I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> and I, just, I just love Cherry. It's like, don't tell me it's nothing. What's going on? It's like. A few hours ago, my heart stopped. <laughs> I was sharing, like, well, we're going to get you to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Concerned, Sherry. Um, but it's just like, okay, sure, you've got to do this. Um, they've arranged a meeting with Kingsley, so they're in the car. And um, then Jack's got to have a heart attack in the last few minutes and crash into the famous L.A. sewers. Um, that's your plot twist this week. Ugh. Let's be honest, season two, very hit and miss on the uh, the, the cliffhangers of each episode, right? Like, we've had some good ones, yeah. and then we've had ones like this. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna remind you of something with this bad cliffhanger here to just see if I can make it worse for you. Uh, do you know what this reminded me of? What the, did it remind you of, Colin? One of, one of the first episodes we ever covered for the Oz Network when we did random Smallville episodes where Pete and Clark were driving through the air in a, in a truck that was crashing and there was that 
horrible freeze frame of Pete. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, they yeah, use yeah, the yeah. freeze frame. Yep, yep. That, when I see this, I can't, I can't help it because <laughs> if you're going to show a car crash, I'm just going to say this to anybody. I'm sorry, John Kassar, you are a great director, great friend of the show, but don't show people panicking when driving a car. It's just one of these things where it's always, ah, <laughs> it ruined it. <laughs> you could have shown this crash and then just, the best way to do this is show the crash. I'm sorry to tell you to do your job, John Kassar. Tell me how to do my job on these. Tell me how to be a father. Tell me how to be a better father. Um, <laughs> yeah, please do. He locks his kids in rooms. <laughs> Lock them out of rooms. There's a difference. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, imagine if this was just the, the car is going out of control. You cut away from Jack as he's clutching his heart. And then you just see the car going into there and, and crashing. And then it's just silence. You don't see anybody moving in the vehicle. You 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 hold on that shot for a while, and then you end it. But to have yeah, <laughs> just, just driving and it's not off even a shit crash. Like you literally see the car land up on all four wheels. It's just got a couple. Like yeah, this, it's 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 just like I mean, U Haul got some great advertising out of this. Good for U Haul. But like it's. <laughs> But, like, you're right because, like, I mean, you think about a couple of weeks ago with the two-second reveal of Sherry. Like, oh, I wonder why, why Sherry back. Like, even yeah. last week with Hewitt escaping, like, oh, okay. But, like, this is the penultimate episode. This is the Nina is revealed as the mole moment where you're, like, mm. literally like, fuck, Nina's the mole. I have to watch next week. This is, oh, I really hope they've got a good auto club. Um, That's probably not going to rub <laughs> out. There's no tension here. Like, there's no stakes. It's not like we've got to meet him in 10 minutes or the world's going to blow up. Like, I don't know. Like, Yeah, exactly. Have something better. Anyway, jumped in there. Have Jack yelling at another helicopter. I just want him, like, yeah. driving down the street, opening his window. Damn it, helicopter! <laughs> <laughs> That's your cliffhanger, chasing the helicopter down. <laughs> just like, For God's sake, you left the center die! <laughs> I just want to go to an airport with Kiva Sutherland. He's sitting there, like, drinking his Starbucks, reading his New York Times and a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh god keep it yells at helicopters um, <laughs> better than eating taquitos let's be honest we got judy dench slap people keep yells at helicopters yep. we're putting together our primetime lineup for the oz network, network. There's, a, there's, a, there's another t-shirt just a little gif a little like silhouette of king southland <laughs> with his fist in the air ah yelling at a helicopter <laughs> <laughs> If you would like one of those T-shirts, sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> one person's favorite thing to do. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be honest, though. The rest of the Jack stuff, it is great, even if it mm. is a little bit silly yelling at the helicopter. Uh, when, you, when you mentioned the, um, the chase down of Hewitt, uh, to me, that's one of the things that really stands out with something else in the finale as a great action moment. And it is because the little details of like smashing the lights and all that. It's just something that makes this a little bit more memorable in a season where there's a lot of excitement without a lot happening. Um, And the stuff on the roof is great too. I mean, shooting the leg, I think Jack's line was something like, you know, uh, uh, if if you don't, you know, uh, come with me right now, I'm going to have to shoot you and I won't miss. And I don't want to do that. (laughs) Just him adding in that. I will not miss. And I don't want to do that. Like that's Jack Bauer. Uh, One thing I do hate though is the fall off of the roof which okay when jack gets down there it's at least six feet high i'm sure a six foot fall would hurt um i don't think it would split your head open like this well if you hit your head uh, on it, that concrete you're gonna leave a pretty nut like you do it right now jump off your roof and hit your head first and see if you've got some yeah, brain yeah, you hanging out. in the right spot but i mean like here's the thing i think that you have stunt people and they have a location they have to do what they can but 
when you're shooting it from the position they're shooting from, it doesn't even look like six feet. It looks like he, oh, he falls off of a ledge, you know? <laughs> like, uh, And I mean, like like a, a small ledge. Like, you know, this, this looks like it's, I don't know, half the height of Jack Bauer that he falls from. And when you get down there, you realize it's a little bit bigger. But have it be a bigger moment. Maybe don't show him fall. You know, imagine, again, telling John Kazar how to do his job. But imagine showing him tip over there and you don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, you look down and Jack looks down and he's climbing down and he sees him like, it's just, it, it doesn't look like the world's deadliest fall. And maybe that's kind of what they were going. They wanted you to think there was hope for Hewitt. And then you get, cause there, there is that good reveal. It was, does anything else hurt? No, no, I don't think so. Why does my head feel wet? And you're like, Oh, like that's really good. But it's just, the fall looks kind of ridiculous. I like, I agree with you, but I think it's also one of these things where like, I don't know if in Canada they have, I know in Australia they have a big thing about this whole like, sucker punch hero coward punch things where like you know one punch can kill right and you have a lot of these things where yeah. like you know somebody drunkenly in a bar will punch someone and they fall back and hit their head on the concrete and they die because one punch can kill so like i mean yeah you can die from a fall that small but um, i know no i know i know you can but like we're used to we're, we're again yeah. in the penultimate episode and even if we weren't like this has to be the weakest looking death in 24 we just saw kingsley stab a woman to death we have well, seen we? hewitt well even if it's implied i think it's more vicious than this little tiny fall that he has as logical as it is that he might die but again it's a minor complaint i have because i actually really do like this stuff uh and we get chopper command i mean i, I wish how come we don't have them referred to as chopper command here like, uh, well, this needs to be chopper command and socket we haven't had a socket in a while either um there's no sockets th- you kind of implied but like it's I think if you, they do a lot with what a little they've got because, like, if you think about the stakes here, all all that is basically okay, the stake of stopping a war, sure, but like basically what they're trying to do here is have a meeting, and um, you know, capture a couple of people who happen to be going rogue at CTU. That's kind of the stakes right now. Like that's literally it. It's like next week we're gonna have a meeting. Oh, whereas like <laughs> last season, it was like Jack fucking going through a compound and like, you know, everything like next season, we're going to have like, oh, we're going to kind of got to stop a virus from like killing like all these cities. And like, it's just mm-hmm. it's things like that. Again, yes, you're technically stopping a war, but these are just men in a boardroom staring at a screen. Like, that's all it is. It's yeah. not like we've got like, you know, action scenes of fighter jets flying and, you know, flying over Turkey and like dodging Istanbul and stuff like that, you know, Christmas and, in and Turkey and all that f- sort of stuff. I remembered this wrong. I I always remember, and we've we both seen the finale, so we know we don't get this, but I always remembered, I had this visual of, maybe it's just my mind putting these together, of, of like some type of map. You know what? You always get these things in these movies or TV shows where you have like the little graphic of the planes flying over a border, you know, and you see how much closer they got. And maybe, maybe it's just the, the way that I looked at the, the show at the time, the way I looked at the season, like, Ooh, we're getting close. The planes, but but you're barely reminded of how close yeah. the planes are going to be. Can you imagine if they had? I'm just really telling John Kassar. What he does job, an incredible John. job with. Yeah, he does an incredible job. But like, if we had that visual of the planes are getting closer, the planes are getting closer, then I think it makes this storyline even better. And and again, I, I think I prefer the storyline over the bomb. But there's still so many flaws with it. One thing I want to quickly point out though, with uh, with Sherry that is so good we're talking about consistently with the characters how sherry palmer is it that when she gets kings on the phone they know their hands are tied they're like we have to get kingsley a normal person at this point would be like you got to meet with me just 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 because i i i have a present for you i, <laughs> I missed your birthday like they're gonna try anything 
but she's actually saying things that that would maybe rub him the wrong way. No, 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 no. This is the way we're going to work it. Yeah. He's like, uh, I'm not going to meet with you. Why don't you send me to have like, it is so Sherry Palmer to be like, it, she knows who she is. She knows everybody else knows how manipulative she is. So she's going to try to force his hand, even when it's not working in her best interests. And I almost wish that we had like Jack be like, no, 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 Sherry, don't say that. That's bad. It's like, trust me. I, he's going to know that I'm, I'm going to try to play him and I'm going to try to manipulate him here. I actually really like, the moment when they're on the phone and I love like Jack, like going like, like, no, 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 like, like, you know, yeah. no, no more. We need more. Like, no, 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 no. Like I can even just silent keep a Sutherland with Penny Johnson. Gerald's great. But like the thing also that I love about Sherry among all the things I love about Sherry is that literally in a week, we're going to feel sympathetic for Sherry Palmer. Um, and yeah. you and yeah. I have been championing Sherry Palmer this whole time and we will next season as well. But like literally we've gone from, oh, my God, she's involved with a nuclear bomb to, oh, my God, don't die, Sherry. Like, it's kind of just like, mm-hmm. I love how they do that with Sherry. Like, it's just so good. But um, we'll talk a little bit about the finale in just a moment. Um, but um, trivia, <laughs> all I have is error at 6.20. Mike Novick's watch mistakenly displays 6.23. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's ruined the whole episode for me. Um, this episode marks the first on-camera appearance of 24's off-camera dialogue person, Marcy Michelle, who was featured as a more prominent extra from season four. Here she appears as one of the staffers under Brad Hammond. Good for you, Marcy. Um, when Carrie Turner is escorting Hammond's agents around the building, she shows them two holding rooms, claiming they're the only ones in the building. However, in the next episode, Marie Warner is shown in a yeah. different... Oh, we will get to next week's holding room. Um, <laughs> there's some issues around that, but, uh... Anyway, uh, and I think according to the official guides, um, we have season two rounded out with another huge body count with more than 113 deaths captured on screen. A large chunk of those deaths, oh, too soon, were CTU employees. Um, <laughs> various thugs, but deaths of note include Razor, Nair, Yusuf Alda, and the heroic George Mason. How can you say that you count, like, the CTU deaths weren't really on screen? I mean, if that's the case... Yeah then you would argue the 747 in season one technically was on mm-hmm. screen because you saw a few of them before it blew up. So, and I know that some death counts count like the 240 passengers on, on that plane, but yeah, I, I'm debating whether or not you count the 34 dead in CTU considering that you would easily count the, again, even the books forgetting about the 747 blowing up over the Mojave desert. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I would count them just because, I mean, if, when we do this on double R seven, we count, uh, okay, well, this person died. Like if James Bond blows up a space station and Jaws and Dolly aren't the only ones on there, if there's a, a, a thousand other people on there, we're going to count that as a thousand kills. Um, but He says not including we, the uh, hangar and octopusy, but let's not talk about that. Because we see people running out of the hangar and octopusy. That's the difference. But anyways, my, it, coming from the guy who counted a canoe falling on top of somebody. That wasn't me. That not, was Noah. Don't blame me. I, I'm pretty sure that was both of you. We'll, we'll no, it was and, Noah. And I just, I couldn't agree with either of you. So I just like, Noah was saying two, you said zero. You I said, oh, fuck it, I'll go with one. The, you You're right. I've rewatched that. No one dies like, in that. You're hundred percent right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I was just being trendy. Uh, <laughs> argumentative is trendy yeah. it really is yeah but uh but yeah like i think that if they identify how many it's really because they identify how many people were dead at ctu if there was a scene where they identified but they do this on the plane on the airplane they do do they say well we know they're all dead right how many times have they had the fucking passenger list on that season colin and at one point <laughs> they literally said like 240 odd people on that plane they do there's definitely a moment they say that can we just claim that uh, Lynn's dead too? Oh, fuck 
fucking Lynn. We never Remember see her? her again, right? <laughs> she never gets mentioned. Rip There's Lynn. no way she survives from that. <laughs> That's what I want the game to be about, Lynn's revenge. Like, <laughs> like this, and see, this is this is kind of what I'm saying. With Al- I, 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 I now put it together. We very recently saw a woman fall down about six <laughs> stairs in a stairwell, <laughs> and she still afterwards was True. like semi-coherent, and from what we're led to believe, she's alive. If you want Alex Hewitt to die, the last hope that they have, have him fall for more than four feet. Good point. That is a solid point. Um, yeah, what are you doing with this episode, Colin? I, I assumed before I watched this that it was going to be an obvious buy. Uh, but th- this is a rent. I, I actually even originally thought it was a stronger rent than this when I finished watching the episode. And then a little bit of time passed and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm as crazy about that. Uh, look at my notes here. I don't think that I was in love, love with that, but it, it's an adequate rent. It, it's it's above middle. It is an adequate rent. Yeah, I I didn't honestly really think too much about what I was going to do with this episode until now. Um, it's not a bad episode. It's not. Um, I think what it loses marks for me, because like it's entertaining, like it, it goes by quickly. You're never bored. But, like, I just think that I'm going to mark this down for being a penultimate episode and you literally have a cliffhanger of them getting into a fender bender. Um, And also, like, (laughs) a massive plot hole with the fact that you've basically solved the day here and yet you're just extending it into next week more. So, um, yeah, I think I'll join you in a rent, but a high rent. I'll make this the highest rent. So, like, I'm going to put this as number 23, which is my highest rent. So it's just one below the uh, the premiere of this season, and one above episode 13, which if I'm not mistaken was 13, the, uh, was that the episode of the shootout or was that the episode after the shootout last? Cause remember we said the shootout wasn't as, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, 23rd for me, highest rent. Uh, I actually originally had this as my highest rent. And then I started to look at the rents that I had higher than this and I dropped it down a little bit. Um, so I have this as my fourth highest rent. So it's number 26 overall on my list. Yes. 26 overall. And to put that into context, my number two episode overall is a penultimate episode of season one. So yeah, same um, with mine. So that's, uh, that's what we were looking at last season. So how good that, because I remember doing that episode going like, this is amazing. Like this is like the best episode until the following week gets even better. So Mm -hmm. speaking of the following week, next week now. It's a finale of 24. Any season of 24, as we mentioned last week, the finale is always a very strong point. And it's it'll be a buy. Don't get us wrong. But, like, I will say rewatching it, definitely I was like, wow, they've rushed this. And, like, particularly, yeah. like, the famous, like, the ending of this season, which is great, there's so much problems around how they get to that point. Because, like, literally it's set up in five minutes. I'm like, wow, they rushed that. <laughs> um, so, like, th- that's the issue with next week. Everything is rushed. There's some really pointless scenes because they're just literally like, oh, well, we better remind the viewers about these characters. Remember them? Just better tie some loose ends of that, which really adds more questions than answers. Um, but again, it's not bad. Like it's it's mm-hmm. off the top of my head if I'm ranking the finales of 24 of each season easily down the bottom. But like, I mean, it's it's not last season's finale. It will be a buy. There's some problems. The The ending of the season is great. I remember watching the end of this season going, holy fuck. Uh, and we get the return of a Like, I love the way we get a character who returns next week, who literally you need to remember the first few episodes of season one to even understand who she is. Because the way they reveal yeah. this character, they even have like the dramatic reveal music. But like, I literally guarantee that if you are not a strong viewer of this show, you're going to be like, who's that? 
but like it's mm-hmm. great. Like I, I actually really like that when a show or a movie will put emphasis on someone that kind of rewards the the super fans of the show and not, not to yeah. take away from the casual fans, but like it's done in such a way where you're like, wow, they're back. Okay. So um, yeah, it's there's some positives and some negatives about next week, but I think we'll have a good time. See, before we started doing the show, I would have always said that season two, despite some of its flaws as a season, that the season two finale might have been my favorite finale of at least the first four seasons. Uh, And when we get to the best parts of it, I still stand by that. I think the best parts of this in some ways are better than what we even got in the season one finale. But there are some other very questionable things and some other things that's like we didn't need to have this at all. Um, one side plot, or I guess two characters' side plots <laughs> that you could have cut out entirely that did not need to be part of the show. And I think the biggest problem for me is going to be the CTU stuff, which almost renders the last two episodes irrelevant <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there are a lot of problems with this finale, but when you focus on the best parts of it, I think it's 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 going to be hard to top what we're about to see the, the the big stuff the the action part of this episode I think is probably the biggest that we're going to get even though it's kind of kind of on a smaller scale than what other seasons do I think that it's the most epic that we're going to have for a few seasons. Yeah, I, I mean I've marked down two potential top five. I mean there's one definite top five moment next week might even be the number one moment of the season. But um, there's another moment next week. But I think what last season we had four in the finale potential top five moments. Three of them made the uh, the the final five anyway. So I have two. Um, you've got yeah, I've got two as well. Um, but yeah, I like the thing I didn't mention. So the the meeting I love Kings is like you know L A Coliseum Gate 18. So we get the epic setting of actually being at the L A Coliseum next week, which is kind of cool. Um, we get to go to the Olympics. We do. We can do a tie-in on Off the Podium. Download now. And I can say this now, award-winning podcast. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> time of this being released. But, um, yeah, I like. I, I still stand by solidly action in the finale of season one. Way better. But, hey, we can we can debate that next week. Um, Breaking Bad episodes are happening, I believe. By the time this has been released, Lost should be happening as well. So get involved in that and miss Noah's voice. And let's be honest, you haven't because he's a racist. You can't get a date. Um, uh, what's the joke? Oh, we're washing up on a beach. You said it before. We've mentioned that. Cool. I'm just ticking off the uh, <laughs> the things we've got to do. Uh, Patreon, you hear all that at the end. So, um, cool. Oh, I should have mentioned there was a, obviously a few damnits in this episode. Jackie was at a helicopter. Up to 17 damnits for the season. So... Um, Yippee! Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with the dogs for our finale of season two. It's taken a while, but we're there. Uh, so get excited for that. My name is Ben, and stay out of my business, Colin. You'll do a better job. And my name is Colin, and. Oh, for God's sake, Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.